Hey, welcome to the V1 Church Podcast. My name's Evan. I'm the team lead here at V1 Church, and you're getting ready to hear an amazing message from our lead pastor, Mike Signorelli, as we kick off our new series, Home for Christmas. We believe that this message is going to add value to your life and that God is going to speak something specifically for you. So buckle up, lean in, and promise me that you're going to listen until the very end. So without further ado, here is episode one of Home for Christmas. Home for Christmas. Why don't you open your Bibles to John chapter 4. We're going to look at verse 9. We've got these V1 notebooks because we have a church that just loves to learn. I love to learn. And you know, this book is different than any other book you will ever read because this book is alive. And this book, while you're reading this book, this book reads you. While you're, while you're dialoguing with this book in your mind, it's talking to you. And then it'll start talking through you. And so we love the Bible. We love scripture. We're going to be looking at John chapter four. This is the New Testament, which means that this is a story about the birth, life, death, resurrection, ascension, and then the early church after Christ. And so this is where we're at. We're in the book of John. Home for Christmas. I'm so excited. I used to hate Christmas. Now I see all this stuff on stage and I'm like, yeah. You know, I used to be the Grinch last week in Queens. Who was at the Queens location last Sunday? Oh, snaps. Little John was there. We're like, what? (laughs) So Queens was awesome, and I was in the middle of my message, and I felt like I was losing the attention of the audience, and I'm like, this doesn't happen often. I'll start climbing chairs if I have to. But what I didn't know was that the huge Grinch was behind me. And that movie had started early. And because it started early, it was playing. And the Grinch was behind me. But here's how God works. And I just love how incredibly um, intricate our lives are. And, and how our purpose is such a intricate design from God. Because um, it, it just I, you can't make this stuff up. So the Grinch comes up behind me. The movie starts playing. Danielle runs to go get the manager to get this movie shut down so it doesn't ruin our entire service. But then in the process, encounters a woman outside who is there to see the movie. And then she's like, hey, what's going on? And she said, oh, the Grinch is playing, but we're having church, and I'm trying to get it shut down. And then she goes, proceeds to find the manager at the movie theater in Queens. And then the woman said, you know what? I'm going to come in and actually check out this church service. So she comes in for the duration of this sermon, and she just gets rocked. And she ends up just dedicating her life to Christ. She's crying. So then all of a sudden, I come outside to greet all the guests, and she's just weeping and weeping. And she's like, I'm here. And she goes, Pastor, I came here to see a movie. I don't even care if they give me a refund. I don't even care if I see the movie because my soul is so full right now. And she's like, I'm so thankful for this church. I'm going to be coming back. And I was like, thank you, Jesus, for the Grinch. (laughs) Thank you for your Grinch, Jesus. Um, But, you know, Christmas, the home for Christmas, I think about that song, you know. uh, You guys know the song? I'll be home for Christmas. And Bing Crosby wrote that song about a World War II soldier actually writing a letter about wanting to come home. And we get all the feels around Christmas. And for me, that it's, you know, the, anyone here a huge fan of those like Hallmark Christmas movies that start playing? See, just by that response, you are not my people. <laughs> so many of you got excited. And I, yes, that's what I heard. I, I didn't hear any, yeah. I heard, yes. 
Yes. I hate those movies. Um, <laughs> what are, what are, oh, hey, Randall. <laughs> now that's a true servant. Isn't it awesome how you can take the stage to serve your pastor water or come to preach it and it's all the same job? Servant-based culture, man. Love it. But I, I think that Christmas is a special time for a lot of people, or it can be a really difficult, tragic time. It was for me for many years. And you think about all the things like, how do you really know when it is Christmas? And that's the question. Like, how do we really know? Is it when the tree starts? Anyone here, you haven't even put a tree up yet in that crew? All right. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Just us. So we have to do that. But there's really what I, as I started to meditate about this series, I became aware that really what Christmas is all about is we're all headed towards this moment. And maybe you've never articulated this. Maybe you've never thought about it at this level before. But all the presents that you're, pur that you're purchasing and you're you know, meticulously wrapping and taping up and all the decorations that you put up in your house and we have them on stage here, everything that is happening, the drinks that start to change at Starbucks into the new season, it's all culminating, whether you realize it or not, to these sacred moments that we're hoping to make. Because the whole point of purchasing the gifts and putting them under the tree is that there's going to be this sacred moment in time and space when the kids come out and they begin to celebrate the presence and it's this joyous moment or you're going to be surrounded around that tree, or around that fireplace or around the stockings. It's all sort of culminating to this moment. But here's the problem with that. It's just a fantasy. And, and here's number one, if you're taking notes, there is no such thing as a perfect home because there is no such thing as a permanent home. And, you know, I was thinking about it and I was like, that's the root of all of, you know, it was funny because on this trip, we went to a couple of restaurants for the last couple of days because we were out preaching and I took some guys to go experience our sending church culture. And every time we went to a restaurant and they would ask for a name, they would tell them Papa Sigs and they wouldn't tell me they were saying that. So I'd be sitting there and they'd be like, Papa Sigs, party of seven. And I'm like, guys, this is awkward. We're already all wearing corduroy. <laughs> but. <laughs> so Papa Six. But the reason why I think Christmas was so hard for me wasn't because of, um, you know, the total sum, like you added up, like what is the percentage of income to presence? What's the dollar amount of presence that you can accumulate in a lifetime to say, I've had a good Christmas season throughout my life. I mean, what's the percentage of family members? Is it one family members? Is it the average that we need six family members to accumulate? Now we have a group. Like what is that magic sweet spot? I don't know what it is, but I know what, what's happening. And the reason why some of us suffer through this season so much is because of this, this, inner feeling, whether we have the words for it or not, that something's wrong with our world. And that this imagined, this, like, let me put it like this. If you're single, maybe you keep having this fantasy about one of these days, this ripped out, not a six pack, an eight pack, y'all. This guy's coming out with an eight pack. He's got abs below, you should have abs above them. Pecs is going to come out in a Santa Claus outfit and, and hand you your morning coffee and it, and then you keep getting to, uh, to every Christmas, somebody shouted, what? 
You keep getting to every Christmas realizing that your fantasy was not fulfilled, that that Christmas wasn't quite. Maybe it's children. I mean, we we talk to people and, and, and this is I kind of get to expose your business from the stage. But people struggle having kids nowadays um, at rates much higher than what you realize because they don't confess it to you. But they do to me and Julie. And so even married people struggle to have kids. And, and so there's this fantasy that is unfulfilled year after year. And, and you kind of go through life and you realize that there is no perfect home because here on this planet, there is no permanent home. And I think as I've started to let that unravel in my mind, it really helped. Um, can we look at the Bible today, though? Let's look at John chapter 4, verses 9. It says, The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealing with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you, have, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw water with and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? See, he was speaking on spiritual terms here. And it says, are you greater than our father Jacob? They began, man, she was talking back to Jesus. Didn't even realize she was standing in front of the Savior. And then says, are you greater than our father Jacob? And Jesus said, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, this physical water that Randall brought me. He says, but the water that I will give you will, be, will, will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I won't be thirsty anymore. On the surface, this doesn't really seem like a Christmas story, right? It doesn't really seem like something that really drives home the importance of, of, of Christ in Christmas, but Psalm chapter 68, verse 6 says this God settles the solitary in a home. God settles the solitary in a home. Let me ask you this How many two by fours does it take to make a home? How many, how many sheets of drywall does it take to make a home? How many uh, family members does it make to take a home? According to Psalm 68, it says this, God settles the solitary, the ones who are all alone in a home. So what is a home? Because we all want to go home for Christmas. We all have this innate desire. You know, people will fly all across the world and around this country to get home for Christmas. Like, what does that truly mean? I think if you came in today and you don't know Jesus, you don't have a home. You may have a house. You may have a big stack of two by fours that were nailed together and we put a mortgage on it and we called it a home. But I would argue that you have shelter. You don't have a home. I mean, maybe you have a whole bunch of family members, but you can accumulate a lot of DNA in one room and still not have a home. Can somebody say, well... John chapter 14, verses two through three says this, in my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I wouldn't have told you that I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and I prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself that, there, that, that where I am, you may be also. So what was he saying? Jesus was saying that there's this deep, eternal desire in you to go home. And you know what? Oh man, I hate to say this, but home isn't even your spouse. Homey, you know, children are a temporary assignment. 
Now, we, we make it a much longer assignment today because you got like 45 year olds. You're still like, Mom, the meatloaf, <laughs> the meatloaf, Mom. <laughs> Somebody's just like, open the altars. It's salvation time. I'm about to have a deliverance. I'm kicking a 45 year old out of my home. But there is no perfect home because there's no permanent home. Sometimes what will happen is you'll actually go through the different seasons of life and realize homes changed. This woman, this Samaritan woman, it was like, here's the thing. Can I tell you the gossip about this woman's life that Jesus knew because he knows all things? She showed up to that well. She was a little cocky. She was sassy. Don't you love a sassy woman? Talk back to me. Be sassy. This woman was like talking to Jesus with some sass. And if you understand this, the societal and cultural constructs that they were, they were living in at that time, it was very, it was wildly inappropriate for her to talk back to him like that. But it was like, I kind of like that. She was, you know what I'm saying? And see, the, the gossip about her life was that she was on this relentless pursuit to find home in a man. And Jesus knew it. So you know what I like about Jesus? When you give Jesus sass, he'll give you sass back. Has anyone ever experienced that before? Because that's the one, number one way I know that you know God is when God starts rebuking you. You know what I'm saying? When you start praying for your wife and God's like, why don't you change first and then I'll change her? Then I'm like, now you know God. <laughs> when somebody's just like, I hate when the church talks about money, but the Holy Spirit told me to give anyways. Now you know God. <laughs> And, you know, Jesus was kind of talking back to this Samaritan woman and he was saying, you know, listen, you're here at this well and you're looking for something in the natural realm that only something from the supernatural realm can satiate. And see, he was talking about water, but he wasn't talking about water. And he was saying, you're going to these relationships with men in the natural realm, but there's a man that I want to introduce you to and your soul will never go dry again. You want to know, you want to know why that song, We Receive Your Rain hits in 2018? It hits because our souls can go so dry. Have you ever come into the, this season is all about generosity. Have you ever got to a season all about generosity and say to yourself, I just can't give any more? Has your boss given you another assignment? You look at him like, I'm about to get on Instagram right now. I'm not giving you anything more. <laughs> Have you ever, has one of the biggest arguments in your house ever come from the question, can you do the dishes? <laughs> about to get deliverance today. But this woman had multiple husbands. And then Jesus puts it back in her court and says this. Jesus said to her, go call your husband and come here. See, he was sassing back to her. Okay, come on. Go, go grab your husband. Go tell him. Come here. And he knew this. It says, the woman answered, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, said, you're right. He probably smiled. You're right. I and he says, you are right in saying I have no husband, for you have had five husbands. And the one that, now don't be judging. <laughs> There's no perfect people allowed. Some of you laughing. You don't even know. You're going to be in counseling soon, Okay. 
says the one it says that you have had five husbands and the one that you now have is not not your husband and and have you said it's true and the woman said to him sir i perceive that you are prophet our fathers worshiped on the mountain but you say that in jerusalem in this place where people ought to worship jesus said to her woman believe me the hour is coming when now neither the mountain nor the jerusalem will worship the father for it says you worship that what you don't know but we worship what we know for our salvation is from the jews but the hour is coming and now it's here when true worships worshipers will worship in spirit and in truth and all of a sudden she becomes the very first evangelist who begins to go out and begins to tell people about about Jesus and said he knew my business and it was actually what he exposed that brought me freedom some of you come from a divided home I heard a story recently where somebody was helping someone navigate the legal process to divide up an estate and when it was over the guy said I'm a single child now. And he's like, what do you mean? And he said, after all this was done and everything from the estate was divided among my siblings, I told him, have a nice life. I never want to see you again. Some of us come from these divided homes where something happened years ago that has caused you to now go through Christmas seasons without your family anymore. And it was that one singular event that divided everyone. And so you hear even about V1 Church doing this series called Home for Christmas and you cringe a little bit. Some of you don't come from a divided home, you come from an empty home. This season is particularly difficult for my wife because she's now going through every single holiday without her dad for the very first time. She just went home to visit her family for Thanksgiving and she came back and she cried and she said, it's just not the same. It's just not the same. Some of you, this may be the first time that you experience an empty home this, this Christmas season. You're feeling that. There's no permanent home. They're not here anymore. Some of you are experiencing home alone. And it's just like you're going to go through the motions again and try to fake your way through it, drink your way through it, social media post your way through it, whatever you can do. But you know, those pressures that we feel from society in these seasons to put on all the ornaments and stuff. I believe that we feel them and by God's sovereign mercy, they just reveal the cracks. You know, pressure doesn't always create the cracks. Sometimes pressure just reveals the cracks that are already there. And what kept, do you guys hear me today? What kept happening was every single holiday season, Christmas wasn't making the cracks in my life, but it was the pressure of this season was revealing the woundedness of my heart. It was revealing the father wound that I had that from, from longing so bad that one day Christmas morning, the door was going to open and my dad was going to come home and say, son, I'm so sorry for everything I did to your mom. I'm sorry. I blacked her eyes. I'm sorry. I grabbed her by her hair and drug her through the hallway. I'm sorry that I went and made another family with another woman. I'm sorry. I did that son. I'm here. I kept having this fantasy of a Christmas where he would literally start from the end of the block on his knees and crawl his way back to me saying, son, whatever I have to do to restore a relationship with you, I'll do it. And year after year, my fantasy went unfulfilled. Then I had a fantasy of Christmas morning, waking up with my family and 
being able to give them everything I ever wanted to give them and being the perfect dad. And yet I just was so hurt from things that happened to me in my past that I I ever it was like Christmas wasn't a celebration of a birth. It was the morning of my own personal death in areas of my emotions. I couldn't celebrate Jesus because Christmas was a funeral for a life that I thought I should have had. And I don't know if this is speaking to anyone here, but I, the thing that's been on my life is if somebody would have preached a sermon like this several years ago, I probably would have left. Probably would have got up in the middle of this sermon and walked out because I would have said, you're crazy. There's no way that I'm ever going to be able to get through this thing without mourning it. But see, God can't give you beauty for ashes if the ashes are still being held in the palms of your hand. And you've got to release the ashes so that he can give you beauty. And you know what? I, I, my, my physical father is dead, but I can be the dad that I wish I always had. I can be the father. And even for those of you who can't have children, it doesn't mean that you can't be a mother or a father to many. Because being a parent isn't about donating some of your DNA. Being a parent is about standing up and taking responsibility for the destiny of someone else. And so you may not be able to be a biological parent, but you can be a father and a mother to many. And God can restore and give you beauty for those ashes. But I refuse to watch other people go through this season and suffer the way that I suffered. Would you stand to your feet with me today? Here in the book of John, this woman was in solitude at the well hanging out. She had an unexpected encounter with Jesus. As she had that unexpected counter, encounter with him, there were some questions in her soul that were answered. Here's one of the questions that we ask. Does anyone want me to even be there? Does anyone even want me to be there? Here's another question that our soul asks. What if it doesn't satisfy? Like, what if Julie's not enough? Do you know that was, what was even harder than being married was realizing that marriage didn't solve my pain? And I'm preaching to somebody today, man. Because you'll go through a disillusionment phase and your life will be seven times worse after you get the thing that you thought you wanted the whole time because you're just going to realize really quick it wasn't enough. Why am I saying this to you? Because there is still a way to have a home. And it's not what you think it is. You find your home when the God of the universe comes and dwells inside of you. It's that, it's that, it's, it's that simple. And you can spend the next several years saving up to do the most extravagant wedding that you ever did and tap multiple bank accounts to do it. You can get the job, the career. You can build the asset, build the business, get the car, drive the car all around this region. You can fly all across the world. You can try to satiate your soul with all those things that your fantasy have built up, but you'll never be home for Christmas until you find your home with Christ. And I know some of you are like, oh, this is so basic. But I'm telling you, so I know so many Christians who haven't tried to be home with Jesus yet. Here's another question that you ask. I want to come home for, to Jesus, but have I done enough good things? Do you know how many people tell me that 
Even dream team members, even people on this stage tell me I struggle with whether or not I should even come to church because I felt like I hadn't done enough good things that week. Can I just tell you that you don't know how deep and how wide the love of the Father goes. If you're ever gonna use an excuse to hold yourself back from this place, how deep, how wide, you cannot outrun the outstretched arm of God because however far you ever run, his arm is that much greater and longer to reach out and scoop you back and bring you back into his arms. The love of the Father wants to bring you home for Christmas. And the last question, that people ask all the time is, what if nothing has changed? What if nothing has changed? But let me just tell you this, you're never gonna encounter change driving past the home. You've gotta park your car and go inside. And today I just wanted, this is your invitation to come home for Christmas. This is your invitation to come home for Christmas. Why don't you just close your eyes? We're going to pray it out right now. If you're here and you just said, man, this message was for me. I just feel like I have had this vagabond wandering soul. I've tried to find it in a whole bunch of things, but I want to come home for Christmas right now. I've got all this pain. I've got all these things that have restricted me from coming back to Jesus. I want to drink that water that will satisfy my soul so that I never thirst again. Would you just raise your hand and say, this is for me today. Come on, raise it up high. I believe that as you raised your hand, you had to let go of some ashes. As you raised your hand, you had to let go of some tragedy. As you raised your hand, you had to let go of some pain. Because see, God can't fill your hands with something new until you let go of something old. Now, can you put your hands down? All right, everyone look me in the eyes real quick. This season... Stop breaking yourself trying to fix other people. You, you, I'm not screen preaching this on purpose today because I want somebody to hear me. You are breaking yourself trying to fix other people. Stop breaking yourself trying to, let him be crazy uncle John this, this holiday season. Let him, let them be weird aunt Jen. Stop breaking yourself trying to fix other people. The first kingdom that you're going to rule is your own. If you, if you accept Christ in the next several moments, you become an heir to this thing called the kingdom. You literally step into this next era of your life to be a king and a queen and to rule and have dominion restored back like we saw in the book of Genesis. But the first kingdom you have to rule is your own. And I just had made a commitment I'm not gonna break myself trying to fix other people. You know who the greatest team member I have as a pastor of this church is? It's the Holy Spirit. You know how many times I've called people to try to change something in their life and they said, Pastor Mike, I don't know what you called me to tell me today, but before you say that the Holy Spirit convicted me and told me I need to change all this stuff. And I was like, well, looks like my job's done here. God bless you, <laughs> praise God. What if I told you that God will do a better job at setting your house in order than you can? Somebody say home for Christmas. <laughs> Somebody, you all sound like hillbillies now. 
Let's pray this thing out for everyone who raised their hand and said, I want Jesus today. I want to come home for Christmas. I believe that this prayer is going to be a catalyst for somebody walking through the door. As soon as you know, you you enter his courts with praise, right? You enter his courts with thanksgiving. What does that mean? To walk through the door requires words. Your words are your steps as they come out of your mouth and say, gratitude, God, gratitude for the pain, gratitude for the suffering. Then all of a sudden he says, now you're entering into my house. Let's just close our eyes. I want you guys to use my words. Pray this with me. Just say, Heavenly Father, today I give you thanks. I also give you my ashes. I receive your beauty now. Show me the beauty and the pain. Because I see the beauty in the cross right now. Thank you for your blood that was shed. For the forgiveness of my sins. Today... I come home because you dwell inside of me and I'm forever thankful and I give you my life in Jesus mighty name can everyone shout amen amen come on put your hands together let's clap let's celebrate what he did Man, what an amazing message from Pastor Mike. I've never heard him preach a message that hasn't left me loving Jesus and my church even more. So if you feel the same way, help us reach more people by giving this podcast a five-star rating and sharing it with a friend who needs to hear this message. We love you and we will see you right here on the V1 Church Podcast.